Beautiful. How honored and privileged am I uh, to be here and to receive such a welcome. I thank you so much for having us here this morning. Uh, as has already been said, my name is Cliff Thompson. Uh, Thompson with a P, the best kind of Thompson there is in the world. All right. Um, and this is my wife, Lisa. So Lisa, can you stand up, please? Say hello. And we are here from Auckland. We, we come from the south. But our connection, I'm going to talk a little bit today about our connection to even to you guys and to the New Life Fano a little bit. Um, so I was thinking about what could it be that we possibly would bring uh, to share with you today. And I believe that God's got a really powerful uh, and important word in this season for you guys. But here's the thing. Are you going to give God the time to speak to you this morning? Yeah? All right, we ready, we ready to go? We're going to make some noise in this place. We're excited for what God's going to do. So let us pray first, and then let's get into his word this morning. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you for your word today. Lord, let it be more about you and less about me. Father, just work in this place. We thank you. We give you all the honor and the glory. In your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. 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 So, like I said, my name is Cliff Thompson, and we do pastor a church in South Auckland. And if you haven't been to Auckland before, and you haven't been to South Auckland, it's a pretty unique place, right? It's very diverse, and there's some many great people, but it also means that there are some really big struggles that we have, not just as a church, but as a community. And I thought, what, what it could it be that I bring to you today that would be relevant for your church, your journey, where you're going, as well as share with you a little bit of context from where we've come from? So I'm going to try and do that a little bit today, and I hope you stay with me, because I believe that there is something special for what God has for this house. Are we excited? I'm a pretty animated person and speaker, and I like a bit of noise, right? I like a bit of loud. So I hope you don't mind me being like that this morning, and I hope something in your spirit stirs and God does something. So here was my prayer for you this morning, that Lord, disturb these people. I was almost going to pray, offend them, but I thought, no, because I want to be, I want to be welcomed back, all right? So I thought, no, disturb these people. Why? Because it's a prayer I often have for myself and our church family, is that, Lord, we would be so disturbed that people are not coming to Jesus, that we would be so disturbed that our communities are not affected, that we would be so disturbed that someone just lies in bed today and decides, you know what, I'm not going to go to church. I said, Lord, shake them, disturb them, do something in them new that you would do in us and you would burden us with to help these people. That is what my prayer is for this church this morning. So let's turn to what's really important here. It's the Word of God, right? I wouldn't be a preacher without talking about the Bible, right? I'd just be giving my opinion. So let's go to Acts. And the story I want to take you to today is something uh, that you, the story that you probably know well, uh, most churches do. But I'm going to come to it from a different context. And this is sort of, if we can call him today, Pastor, Pastor Stephen. This is Pastor Stephen's version of the story of Moses, right? And he's telling this, he's reciting this story, but he picks up and he pulls out some very interesting things. And here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to read you some scripture. I'm going to extract a few things. Then I'm going to tell you our story because I believe it might help you. In our story, I'm going to show you some pictures. I'm going to show you some videos. Everyone likes going to movies, right? Most people do. So we enjoy a good video. Okay, so I'm going to show you some videos, show you some pictures. We might laugh along the way. I hope you cry along the way. I hope you're challenged in your spirit. And here's what we're going to get to this morning. Turn with me to Acts chapter 7, verse 20 to 36. If I'm speaking too fast, please say. But please say nicely because you might offend me, right? Because I speak fast and I just believe that, man, we just, we just got to move stuff, right? Got a lot to say this morning. Acts chapter 7, verse 20 to 36 says this. Read along with me. At that time, Moses is talking about the story of Moses. Now, it's interesting because I thought, um, I actually had, didn't know what series you guys have been on. And it wasn't until I got down here. And I've had a few conversations with Pastor Wes uh, over the phone about just your guys' journey in general because we talk quite often every now and then. And he was telling me about where you guys were at. And I didn't actually listen to any of your guys' sermon series until early this morning. We were lying in our, in our motel room and the fire alarm went off, right? Because I was planning to sleep until like nine and get here about 20 past. And, but it went off about 7 a.m. this morning. So I was like, all right, Lord, we're up. So I may as well go and do some study. So I thought the best way to study is see where this church is at. And I listened to Pastor Wes's sermons, all right, about moving. And, it, and I was listening to it and he talked about Moses. And, 
I was like, oh, Lord, should I, you know, is this not the word and season for these guys? And God was saying to me, no, it's absolutely going to be the right thing because this is where their, their spirit is. And um, it was talking about moving. But, so here's the title of my message this morning. The title of my sermon is Go Out. And I'm going to tell you why when we get to it in a moment. But read with me here in Acts chapter 7, verse 20 to 36. It says, at the time Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. I want to speak to your spirit this morning. You know, church, you've been placed in a community. You've been placed in a city. And there is a reason and a purpose for that placement in this city, in this place, in this town. And and I understand there are some things going on. But I'm talking about in Nelson itself. There is a reason you exist. There is a reason your pastors are here. And every single one of you, you don't need me to tell you this, but I need to remind you of it this morning maybe. Is that every one of you that has been born in purpose for God, it's not an ordinary thing. See, we have this term and this, this phrase we call it being extraordinary. And I was thinking about that. If I'm extraordinary, you know, I thought that's a funny way to phrase it because that means I'm just really extra average, right? I'm extra, I'm just more than ordinary because I've got extra averageness in me. But I want us to be greater than extraordinary, right? And it says here that Moses, when he was born, was no ordinary child. And I tell you something, wherever you're going, whatever you're called to, it ain't ordinary, right? It ain't even extraordinary, Okay, it's something more, it's something greater, but I can't tell you that. You've got to get that in your spirit. You've got to take it from intellect down into your emotions, into your spirit, into your soul, and start birthing that thing out. Not just thinking we're going to be great, not just believing God's got something for me, but what are we doing to shift that thing along? And so it says it here that Moses was born. He was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. So he was cared for by those he knew, those that were common to him, those that... that, that but maybe we're comfortable to him, but then something happens. What happens here, it says this, when he was placed outside. Mm. When he was placed outside, it says Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own. How many of you in this place this morning have ever felt that you've been taken out of your comfort zone? That you've been placed outside, so it started comfortably, and it started as what you thought it should be, and what it should look like, and what you expected it to be, but then all of a sudden it switched up, and you were placed outside, and you're saying, Lord, why am I here? Like, I was just born, this is my heritage, this is my background, this is where I come from, but now you're placing me outside? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit my culture. It doesn't fit my character. It doesn't fit anything in my history. But you place me outside. Why? Let's read on. It says, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. Now, if you know a little bit about Moses, you realize later, or you realize going back to uh, the Old Testament, that Moses actually, when he went back to Egypt, he had a bit of a stutter, right? And he had a bit of a speech impediment. Yet it says here that he, he grew and he was taught all the ways of the Egyptians and he was powerful in speech and in action. And here's what I know and believe, that at that time, Moses didn't realize what God was doing. How many of us are like that? We're going through stuff and we don't realize what God's doing. We just look at the situation and think, oh, okay, this is what it is right now. But see, God had a plan, right? God needed Moses to learn the ways of the Egyptians. Why? Because he was going to be the one to go back. And he, he couldn't go back and get that audience with Pharaoh if he didn't know their customs, he didn't know their ways of speaking, he didn't know their protocols. So sometimes he'll place you outside and you don't realize out of your comfort zone because he's got a purpose for you in going back later on. But here's the thing, church. Are you going to trust him enough to do his work in you? Or are you going to look at your circumstance and think, no, it's not quite what I planned right now. It's not quite what it looks like to me. You know, we sing, there's a song that, uh, it's called Fall. I can't remember who it's by, but it's a great song. It's got these great words in it. It says, my faith beyond what it looks like. My faith beyond what it looks like. I will only see what you want, what you call, what you have for me. But see, too many of us, too many of us aren't about what God's heart is. Too many of us first are looking at our circumstantial. I just want to say to you this morning, if you've been placed outside, you're sitting in this church and it's a bit uncomfortable, good. All right? Good. Because God can do something with uncomfortable. God will shift something in your spirit. 
It goes on to say, verse 23, when Moses was 40 years old, so this is, this is encouragement for a lot of you, right? Okay. I'm not going to say more, but I'm just going to say. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. So he decides, right, I'm of age and I'm a bit more mature now. I'm wise. Maybe I've got something to say to my people. So I'm going to go back to them. I'm going to speak to them. And here's what happens. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went to his defense and avenged him by, by killing the Egyptian. Right? So he hasn't really mingled with his, his whānau much, but now he decides to go back. And he's like, hey, cuz, someone's not treating you right. I need to help you out. So I'm going to help you out by killing the guy that's hurting you. All right, and here we go. Went to his, his, his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Verse 25, Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them. Anyone here ever done something for the right reasons but in the wrong way? Right. Ever had good intentions in church, but just the way we went about it wasn't the greatest? And in fact, it can do some more damage than, than it's good. And, and maybe Pastor Wes was giving an amazing message last week, but you know, you didn't quite like the way he said that. And, and then he went about two minutes over time because I had somewhere to be. I had lunch appointments, so you might be right and it might be correct. But hey, hold on, there's a bigger thing at work here. And you go up to him and you tell him after his week and after what he's been doing, after everyone he's had to, to deal with and everything he's talking about, the vision and where it's all going. And the only thing you got to say to him was, Pastor, next time, right, can you please finish on time? Huh? Because my Thai green curry cannot wait. Good intentions, but delivered in the wrong way, right? And in a really extreme way here, we do this in church, and Moses has done this here. He meant well for his people. But the way he did it, right, the way he went about it, and here's the funniest thing. It goes on to say, the next day, oh, sorry, it says, using him to rescue them, but they did not, they didn't realize that he was doing this. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, men, you are brothers, Right, so he's appealing to the brotherhood here. Why would you want to hurt each other? What did they say to him? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? See, they're going on the behaviors and the actions of what they see in their leadership. And see, now just, just take it for a moment. Would you trust the murderer? Right? If someone said, even if they, they murdered for you, and now they, they say to you, now trust me, would you? Like, cool, thank you for helping me, but I don't know if I'd follow you, man. I don't know if I want to be with you because your tendencies, your behavior, like you go from zero to 100 real quick. Okay? This is how you deal with stuff. And he's saying, follow me. I, I want to help you. And he's saying, uh, hold on. Because he says here in verse 29, when Moses heard this, and here's what I want to sort of really start us with this morning. Here's what I wanted to get us to. It says two things, and when I read this account from Stephen, it breaks my spirit sometimes. Two things here. Because I think we as a church, we as people and followers of Jesus Christ, are like this. When Moses heard his deficiency, when Moses heard how his behavior had affected others in a negative way. And even though he intended to do good, what did he do? And it does what many of us do today. It says, Moses fled. He ran. And now there's the biggest thing. Because we think about, when we're faced with adversity, and we think about new things that are changing, new things that are coming, one of the, the things we can do the, the quickest and the earliest and the most is we run. And I'm no different. I'm going to share with you in a moment about my story a little bit and how that affected me because I believe what you guys are going through and where you're about to go, it's quite exciting because we've seen a few parallels ourselves in our church and what we've had to do. I'm not, if you, you know, I'm going to give you a bit of background about me now. I'm not a fly-by-night, this new, you can look at me and think, oh, he might be this, this young, new pastor that's been around church and they're just starting a new church. I've been around it for a long, 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 long time as long as my years allow, okay? 
And I'm going to share that with you in a moment because I think and I believe it will just give you some context. But for too many of us, we, we run. We flee when there's a challenge. We flee when there's some adversity. Now, I'm not saying we've got a house full of fleers here this morning or a house full of fleas, eh? I'm not saying that at all. But I'm speaking to the spirit that sometimes wants to run. I'm speaking to the spirit that sometimes doesn't want to give it all that it requires to build it. Oh, pastor, I'm with the vision, but up to this point, you know, or up to this amount of dollars, or up to this amount of time, or up to this amount of resource. Past that point, I'm a quitter. I'm a runner. I'll flee. So Moses heard this. He fled to Midian. And then here's the, 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 the part that really gets me. And for our Christian brethren today, we struggle with this. Is that it says that not only did he flee, but he settled. It says here, in fact, it says this, he settled as a foreigner. He settled in a place that maybe wasn't for him. That a place, in, in a place that he didn't know. He settled. And see, for us as a church, how many of us just settle? Not just from what we're doing aesthetically, but settle in your spirit. Settle in your desire to see Jesus reach people. Settle in your, in your passion to see the church reach out beyond its doors and its borders. We settle. And the worst thing is we settle in a place that was never meant for us. Now, here's the great thing about God and about Moses. Is that nothing Moses went through was wasted. God redeemed and turned it all around. But it took Moses probably a little bit longer than, it may, than maybe it should have. It took him a little bit further than maybe he needed to go. But God used it all. But it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. So here's what I want to speak to today. I'm going to just show you a few pictures now and a few videos, and I'm going to try and move us along. Like I said, give me time. Be gracious. Right? You're free to laugh, free to make some noise. But here's our story. So a few years ago, um, so I'm born and raised in Auckland. Uh, South Auckland is my home. My father is from the far north. My mother is from uh, Rotorua uh, in the central North Island. And, uh, but we were born and raised, and, and I was born into a pastoral family. My father was a pastor from the age of 18 years old. He got given the mantle one year into his faith journey. So he became a Christian, and then he was told uh, his pastor was on his deathbed. Sounds like a movie, eh? And his pastor was on his deathbed, and his pastor said to him, said to the elders of the church, I want to see Colin, right? That's my father's name. You, you know, just helping you in the story in case you didn't get it. His name is Colin. I want to see him. They bring my father in. He's been a year in, the, in, in, in church as a Christian, and he says, and he hasn't even told the elders, and he says to my father, you're going to be the pastor of the church. My father says, no. <laughs> right? He says, no. But he does it. He says, okay, I'm saying no, but Lord, if, if that's what you did. And so I was born and raised into this pastoral family. It's all I've ever known, ministry. And as great as it's all I've ever known, it's also been the cause of my greatest hurt. And then things that I've seen in my life because I've seen some of the ugliest things happen in church. Crazy, isn't it? I worked in corrections for 12 years. But I've never seen so much brokenness, so much hurt than what I've seen through the years of ministry. So you can imagine now, here I am. I don't want to be a pastor. I do not. I have no ambition to be that. Okay? To be this thing. So I grew up and... As part of this journey, I get told, like, people prophesy. You know, I'm a little kid sitting up the front with my parents and the old side of doing church. And, and, and we're sitting there and people would come up to me all the time and say, you're going to be just like your dad. You're going to preach like him. You're going to be a pastor like him. You're going to be amazing like him. And inside I'm crying, right? I'm tearing up. I'm saying, no, I don't want to do that. Okay? Okay? This is not cool. This is not fun. I, I love God and I love the church. But yeah, nah, you know, I, I don't really want it. My whole life been told that. Till I get to my, my, and so as I grow into my adulthood, I start leading things naturally. You know, I lead youth group and I lead this, I lead that. And then I start, me and Lisa start doing a lot of stuff in the church. We, we were married young and we, we started having our family, but I was happy to serve in the church and, and do all these things. And the name of the church, if we could put the first slide up, uh, is this amazing name, just so, so dynamic. It's just called Cleveland Baptist Church, right? 
Um, and this was the name of our church, and this is what it was. And I grew up in this um, for the last 20 years of my dad's ministry. We were, we were Clendon Baptist Church. But I really had no desire to go on into the ministry. So I started forging my own career in corrections, and I worked my way up, and I became a manager. But then what happened was my parents, after nearly 30 years of ministry, pastoring, decided that they wanted to have the, they needed a sabbatical. They hadn't had one up to that point, which is a pretty big holiday, okay? For those, I'm, I'm, I'm talking pastoral talk now, Christian, Christianese, right? So, so but they needed a holiday. They hadn't really had one from, um, from the serving of ministry. So they went away, and then the, it was bestowed upon me, right? I was the chosen one. You're going to lead the church. No, right? Don't want to. I'd just become a manager. I, you know, I, we just had twins. We got five kids under five. Right, I'll show you some photos in a moment. Five kids under five, just become a manager of, of corrections. And now the hardest part about working in corrections is not the people that come through with their offenses. It's the staff, right? The staff in corrections are more diff- difficult than uh, corrections people that come through with their issues themselves. And so having to do this job and then all this was going on, we asked to lead the church. So I said, all right, Lord, I'll do it. But in my heart, I didn't really want to. Why? Because I was a lot like Moses, I could see what God called me to, but I wanted to run. I didn't want this, right? I wanted to flee. So what happens is I, um, I decide that, look, I'm going to, I, I need a, after my, my parents come back, I need a break and I need to get some perspective because I keep hearing people prophesy over me and tell me that I'm going to be a pastor and lead this great work. I was like, no, Lord, is that actually you or is that just me? Is that you or is that just everyone else in my life telling me something that is not true? So I said, all right, this is what we're going to do. Lisa, I just believe in my spirit. We need to go and find God for ourselves so that we can hear him. Never in my life have I ever thought about leaving my dad's church. I talked to my father. I said, you know, I was trying to be like really good about it and just bring it across like I was not leaving. But what do you think and what should we do? And he said to me, you should go. I just sort of said, I just feel uneasy. I I haven't found myself. And, And he said, go. I said, go where? He said, I don't know, just go. Go somewhere else. Go get some context. Go really find what God is calling you to do. So he sort of had to take me out of the place that was most comfortable. All I'd ever known was this church. All I'd ever known was this ministry in this way. I had to get out. So what happens is we move. I take this new job in Wellington, and we move. And this is now our connection to you guys, right? So we move, and we come down to this beautiful place in the Carpety Coast called Waikanae. And we're looking for a church. And we walk into this church, and it's, it's Connect Church, which at the time was the Meadows. And I didn't know Pastor Wes and Caroline were from that place. And we met Pastor Adam, who's your guy's national leader. And we struck up some good relationships with them. And as I'm sitting in the service, I'm thinking, Lord, what is it that you're calling us to do? Because what I realized walking into the back of that place was, I wanted to serve you, Lord. I didn't need the platform. I didn't need the stage. But my heart was for people. That's why I worked in corrections. I like to help people. I like to see them be better. So we go down there, I take this job, and if we go to the next slide, you'll see this. So that's Clinton Baptist Church where we come from. Here's my children. You can't see it too clear, but I got five of them. They're beautiful. They're younger there. But here's what was happening at Corrections for me. There's me at the top right with my boss. I was getting what's called a gold award. Now, a gold award is this thing down the bottom here, and I've got to point to it, not just to show you how amazing I was at my job, right? I got a gold award, and gold awards are really hard to come by in corrections. You have to do something significantly great for a prolonged period of time to be acknowledged for that. So I'd gone from being a manager to a a, a sort of a national advisory role, and I got presented this gold award. My point is that my life was going great, right? No need to disturb it, Lord. Please don't. Good money, good home, uh, none of the pressures of ministry, you know, as well as the pressures of the pay, okay? None of that. I just was doing well, and I'm getting awards, and people are acknowledging it, and, and I'm good at this thing. I'm good at it. So why would, why would you change it, God? I go to, so I've been in Connect Church now for three, maybe six months. Sitting at the back, struck up a relationship with Pastor Adam, but said to him, I'm just happy to serve, just happy to help. And he said to me, this is what I would like to see happen in our church. And I'm like, yeah, sweet. So we started helping. He said, one morning, and you know, if you know Carpety Coast, the, the, the demographic of people, they ain't, at that time in the Meadows, there weren't too many Maori or Pacific Islanders in the church. So I was sort of 
one of the only ones there at the time. And so we had a, we had a, a men's breakfast, right? And they said, Cliff, would you do the, the karakia for the men's breakfast? I said, yes, I'll do the karakia. I'll, I'll, I'll pray. Because I was sort of the token one in the, in the room, and I'm, I'm going to do that, right? But it was cool. And he said, look, because a lot of the men don't know you as well, it might be a good chance for you just to sort of share your story. And I got up to share my story, just to introduce. I did the prayer, and I sat down. Didn't tell anyone anything, but then we had this guest speaker there from Australia at that time, and I had been praying, Lord, tell me exactly what it is that now that I'm away from everyone that knew me, now that I'm away from all this history, now that I just want to hear your voice and I want to hear what you have for me, please speak. And you know what God did? He spoke. That next Sunday, so this was a Saturday morning at the men's breakfast, the guest speaker gets up after me, I introduce him, he comes up, I never talked to him, just sat down, he was visiting from Australia. Then he comes to church on Sunday. And, and the Meadows is a fairly big church. I'm sitting at the back. My parents are visiting, right? They're here that weekend. And then this happens. Let's play that. Part of this morning. But before that, I've got a few words for individual people, if that's okay. Um, yesterday, um, we were at a men's breakfast, and uh, it was cool. What happened at men's breakfast stays at the men's breakfast because it's secret men's business. So it's none of your business, secret men's business. Uh, but there was, Cliff, where are you, Cliff? You, were, you got up and you prayed over our breakfast. Cliff, can you come here for a second? Just come down the front here. Look at you, dressed up this morning, look a bit different yesterday. Didn't recognize you there. Going from shorts to a jacket, I like it. Cliff, I just really felt God saying this to you, that God's called you to be an incredible leader. And you made a statement yesterday, and it triggered something in me. I was just sitting there, like, thinking about my eggs that I just ate and my bacon and I was about to eat, and then all of a sudden, I felt God start to speak to me about you. And this is what you said. You said, I mean, I've never been new in a church before because I grew up, and I think you said your dad was a pastor, and then you kind of, for the first time, you had a feeling of being new to a church. And God needed you to know that feeling because when you feel uncomfortable is when you start, God starts to do things. So it's easy when you're familiar. It's easy when you're used to things. I and mean, this is what I felt God saying, that God has created you and he's going to mold you into one of the most incredible leaders. There is greatness on your life. All the bare materials are in place, but here's the thing. I feel like God saying this, that you are now in a place where God's going to start to take you from being comfortable to uncomfortable. You've got leaders here. You've got a pastor. I believe you're going to hear this this morning, that he's going to help mold you into who you're called to be. And that looks like being teachable. It looks like asking questions. I'm like, oh, I know better back there at home. You may a statement yesterday he said oh back at home well no home's here because this is where you should serve God and I think you need to hear this this morning if you want to truly be the great man that God's called you to be you need to change your language you need to change who you are you need to get uncomfortable you need to get to a place where you're like God I'm completely relying on you because when you get relying on God that's when God shapes things and he changes things and Cliff I need you to hear this this morning that there's greatness on your life not just a might be an okay leader a good leader but if you can get under this man and allow him to speak into your life and have no rules what I mean that is like you need to say what he needs to say don't have an offendable spirit to say God smash me like God I'll just do everything you need to break my heart. And if you do that, God is going to create greatness in you. And you will be a leader, I think, of thousands of people, not just hundreds. I see that in your life. I can see that very, very clearly. And you're going to start to believe that, start to walk into that, start to, to own that, start to, to think that way, start to see that way. You know, and I just see bigness in you. I see bigness in you. Father, I pray right so now, Lord, for clear, Lord, God, you cr- So here I am saying, Lord, use me. Lord, tell me what it is that you need me to do. And he tells me the very thing I didn't want. So you're going to lead people. And he, it came from a source. And, it was, and what you don't see is that I had a discussion with it's Pastor Joel Cave after that. Uh, about, and he said, because he came up to me and he said, brother, there's some more to what I believe God's going to tell you. And I know you all want to hear it, but I'm not going to tell you. Right? But there's some more. Okay, there's some more. And this whole time I'm thinking, Lord, I've just come from the place where everyone knew me. And I was saying, Lord, you're going to shift something in me, but speak to me. And he spoke to me from someone on a platform that didn't know a thing about my life and my history and my calling. God just spoke to him. But the the thing was, I had to shift my spirit. I had to be ready to say, all right, Lord, my doubts, my inadequacies, my unreadiness had to shift. I had to let that go, and I had to start moving into it. Because, in fact, you'd been telling me my whole life through everyone else, but I had been running. And you're saying to me, when are you going to listen? I can't make it any more clear than someone that doesn't know you. Right? That's going to speak to you, and he's going to be detailed about what you're going to do in your life. I don't show that to impress you. I show it to impress upon you what God would do if you give it over if you're willing to step into what he's calling you to do. So we went home. The next picture you'll see here, it's a bit dark. 
I've just realized that now the next picture is just of myself and my wife. You can't really see. But we went home just for that weekend in Auckland. And, and it's not, I'm not dark because I'm black. You can see me here, all right? I am Maori, but I'm not that dark. Uh, but we went home. We went home that weekend. And we just went to, because we were thinking, all right, Lord, if I'm going to lead something, lead, lead a work, where would it be? And I had talks with other pastors about doing this and doing that. But we went home that weekend, and we just sat down with some people that we used to be with. And we could see how much hurt and brokenness was there. And God really spoke to us on that car ride home. Because I thought I'd left Auckland, and that was it forever. Right? I'm, I'm growing up as an Egyptian now. Huh? I'm a carpety coaster. Okay? That's my life. And, um, but no, it wasn't. God said, you need to go home. Your people, you can, you can, you and Lisa can offer something to your people. You can do something in your community, but when you go home, you got to do something radical. It's got to be different from whatever it was before. You got to shift and break spirits, strongholds that were over them, mindsets of how church and community should be. So I thought, yep, we're going to do it. Let's go and let, let's, let's meet some new people. So I met Pastor Wes at one service at Carpenter. I was preaching that weekend. But then we ended up in the Gold Coast together. And this is me and your lovely pastor here in the Gold Coast. Now, I know you're thinking, who's that guy standing beside Pastor Wes? It is me, all right? Let's address the elephant in the room. And I'm not talking about that guy, all right? Okay. So yes, that is me. I've just lost a bit of weight. So, But I met Pastor Wes, and we, we hung out. Pastor Wes, Caroline, and Lisa, and myself. We just hung out in the goal, and there was so much symmetry between where God was taking them, what God was bringing them through. And at the time, I didn't know some of the stuff that had been going on for your pastors. Um, but we started to learn, and we started to build a relationship. And, and I met him, and we had some great discussions. And I, I just really had it on my spirit, like, Lord, there's something about this relationship that we can sow into, that we can help, and we can support each other, not just us to you guys. It was... Regardless of the de denominational ties, we both love Jesus. We both believe in his word. We both want to see his kingdom grow and move forward. I know what it's like. So what happens for us, just real quick in our, in our story, to move it along, is we decided we're going back and we went to this amazing training. And so in September, we just, we just decided we're going to meet with these group of people back in Auckland. We're still living in Waikanae, but we, we was covert, right? We said, you meet us leaders of this little church, my father's old church, because then my, sorry, my father had called up and said, hey, would you come home? And I'd already had talks with Pastor Adam about what we might do, and, but my father had called and said, would you come home? And our heart was to go home. Not because I missed home, but because we believed that we could go back and help our people in some different way. So we said, right, covertly, you meet us in Talpo, we'll meet you in Talpo, and we're going to get this house, and we're going to start casting some vision. So the next picture you see here is us casting vision in Taupo in September 2016. We come back and I just start spitballing ideas to leaders. And here's what I want to say to you this morning. The same thing I said to them at that moment. Would you just dream with me for a moment? Because I'm going to show you some dream stuff now. Would you just imagine with me what God might do with limited resource, with limited people, with limited space, but with an unlimited spirit, with an unlimited belief in what God can do, what God is, what God is all about. Because I was going home, people think we're crazy. I was going home to South Auckland. Let me just preface what I'm about to say. South Auckland, not much resource. In fact, you know, there's, there's the big donut. We had minus the big donut in terms of resource, money, finance. There were some things we could work with, but it, man, it was going to take a lot. The church itself had, had grown, and well, grown by the, the, the alarming rate, the, the massive growth rate of like two people every four years. So it was stagnant. Young people were starting to look over the fence saying, what next? Where else? What's better? But I had a belief that, no, God called you here for a reason. We can do something here. And I ain't talking about growing mega church. I'm talking about being an effective church. I'm talking about being a church that will change the city, that will change the community, that might change the nation. That's why I say to you, can you imagine with me for a moment? I know you look around, I know you look at your, your situation and your current, you've got some beautiful space here, but what God might do with a spirit that says, yes, I want to change, yes, we want to be better, what God might do if you just imagine a little. And that's what I'm about to show you what he did with us, with the big donut. 
So the first thing we did is we had a look at, and I was going to sort of power through this, this stuff here. I've got a few more things to show. We just had a look at our stats, and we started to get to know what was in our community. Because the worst thing about the Clendon Baptist Church, when we look at our sign and our name, it told us, told you, the world, that we're in Clendon, we are Baptist, and we're a church. That's it. It told you nothing about our spirit. It told you nothing about what God had put on our heart to be and become. It was just Clendon Baptist Church. Nothing wrong with that, but it wasn't right for us. So we did some, some data, and I looked at it, and I'm big on this sort of stuff. And we looked, and we realized that big one down the bottom. Boom, 103,000 people in Monaco that, have, that don't state that they are of any religious belief. Let alone the other denomination or the other beliefs, other religions. But there are 103,000. That told us the community needs Jesus. It needs us. But our people never knew that. They just hadn't ever looked at that. They never thought about it. So we go to this next slide here, and here's just a picture. This is where it all started. The render gathering, the ideas about it came. This is me and my brother sitting in my little office back at home. We'd moved back to Auckland, we, and we told them one thing. I'm coming back. I don't need a contract. We'll get a contract later. I'm coming back. There's no guarantee of pay. On launch day, when we relaunch this thing, I'm going to leave my job in faith. I'm going to step out, and I'm going to be full-time for the church and the ministry. But here, we're sitting here, no guarantees of anything, and we're just thinking we're strategizing. It birthed by two people, three people, and God imagining what could happen. Being faithful to that, looking at some of the dynamics. Now, here's, here's a few things, and I want to put them up on the wall for you. We got given a list of things of how not to launch a church. So that the idea was we're going to close Clendon Baptist Church down, and we're going to relaunch as something else in a new place. The congregation didn't know that yet. So you've seen some symmetry maybe with your guys' story and your journey a little bit? Right? They didn't know this yet, but I hadn't told them. I just told them enough okay, to get them over the hump and be excited. Hey, we're coming back. New thing. They thought it was a liquor paint, new name. Move the seats around, face the other way in the building. Right? Remember I said no contract, one condition. We'll do it radically. We'll make a difference. So we went to these different trainings, and they tell you all about how not to launch a church. Okay, so just a couple of things real quick here just to move us through. Is they said, don't launch without building your team for 12, 24 months. Don't launch without a significant budget spent on a marketing campaign. Do not launch without raising, having raised 120000 for launch day. Don't launch for the winter. Don't launch near the start of school holidays. But what they didn't realize is we were, in a, we were, we were the church was declining quickly. We didn't have 12 to 24 months. We had no money. We had to move in the next six months. We had to do something now. What we did have was we had a building and some land, some assets, but we had to shift it around. They thought the vision would always be to build on that land. I said, no, maybe God's going to use us to prioritize how we use that land to build and leverage a future. But we had to think a little bit differently. We had to think outside the box because here was the saddest indictment on where the church had come to. Our first Sunday back, and this is not a criticism, it's just to share with you some context. We come back and the church, we've got this preschool on our property and it's colorful and it's bright and it's amazing. It's exciting. If you drove past it, you would think that that was the church. Everything the church should be to the world, that preschool was. But over here on the left-hand side was a little, we call it the hub now, which is with the church building. There were cars parked outside it, but you'd think it was in the preschool. But in this little hub, it had blacked out windows. The doors were sealed shut. And you wouldn't even know that there was a church going on inside. They were having church, and they're great people. They love God, but their view of the world had become so insular, so inward-focused, and we started doing church for us. We started doing church in our way so that we would get comfortable in the place that we'd settled. But we weren't supposed to settle. We're supposed to get out. So the one thing I knew was on my spirit, we walked in there, and I thought, man, we've got to break this place open. We need to come in, and like literally, the doors were sealed shut. You didn't know where the front door or the back door was. It was just a door, and, and good luck. Find your way in, find your way out. Some great people inside. Yep. We need to break that place open. God was saying, do something. Shift something. Because the church didn't exist in that community for the reason to just sit there. It existed to reach the world. The great commission had become the great omission. To go out. To go out, it starts with the great commission. Go out into the world and to make disciples. To make them requires you and me. 
To make them, it means I've got to do something. To go out means I've got to get up and I've got to move. You don't go out by saying, hey, we're here. If you'd like to come across the road, we're here. Just saying, we're here. Now, God said, go out. Get out of your comfort. Get out of your building. Go into the streets. Go into the places and find people that need Jesus. Then make disciples. Don't go out to to make coffee. Don't go out to make friends. Go out to make disciples. Followers of Jesus Christ that would come to know him. And it says baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We were to go out. So what did we do? We broke all the rules. Everything, all these great church building, and they're not knocking it. It works for some people, but for us it wasn't going to work. We had to just trust God that what he put on our heart was going to be enough, and we had to move. So we started with these things. I'm just going to show you now real quick. We just started hanging out in the community. We call them hangouts, collectives. So we just started hanging out in the community. We just started getting together with people. We started sharing our vision and started saying to them this very same thing. Just imagine with me what God would have you do in someone's life, what God would shift in you. Imagine with me, we grew from 30 adults, where we had about that, into close to 50 people from just from hanging out. The funny thing was, I told them, right, we're going to start in the six months before we launch, we're going to start rehearsing to be the church that we want to be on launch day. So every Sunday we did something a little bit different, and we tried something new. And I actually said to them, and, and please forgive me for this, show some grace, I said to them, don't bring anybody to church. Right? And they were highly offended. They said, Pastor, you can't say that. And I said, well, you fellas aren't bringing anybody anyway. So don't get offended for what you're doing that I'm just saying. I'm just calling you out on it. But the reason I said it was because it gives us time to rehearse, to be the church that we want to be. Because from day one when we launched this new church, we've got to carry that spirit every Sunday. We've got to carry that spirit from Monday through to Saturday. But we've got to rehearse. We've got to get familiar with that. We have to rehearse it. But what happened? This crazy thing happened. We burst open the doors. We started having church outside on our, on our car park, just practicing. And people started coming in off the road. Right? And I was walking out to people saying, did you invite them? I told you not to invite them. Right? Well, I didn't, they just came. Because right? let me tell you something. The Spirit of God is truly attractive to a broken world. It makes you want to come and be around it. It draws people. You don't have to. You just have to be obedient. Right? And people loved it. And we started growing and we grew this team. So we go to the next slide. So 47 people. And we settled on a name, the Render Gathering. To render, the reason why we got that name, because I wasn't satisfied with Clean the Baptist Church. Again, Clean the Baptist Church. Three things, cool. Right? Might sound super spiritual, the, the Trinity, you know, the three things. But anyway, it wasn't. For us, it just didn't mean much. So we decided we're going to be called, and we prayed about it, but we landed on this word to render, which is real simple. It means to help become. Okay? It means to help others become. So we're going to be renderers, okay? and we're going, to, we're going to gather people together. We're a church, the ecclesia in the Greek. Right? We're going to gather the church and be the gathering of God's people in oneness. But we gather for the purpose of helping others become. Become all that God called them to be. The Bible says to, to keep the vision simple, right? So my people could get that. I just want to help you be better. Do you want to be better? Yeah, I do. Let's be better together. I want to help you become all you can be. You want to become all you can be? Yeah, I do. What does that look like? How do we work that? So we became, they're in together. We grew it to 47 people. And just really quickly, here's what we landed on with our vision, our values, and our priorities. So you see up there, the vision is helping you become. We have three things that we value the most, which is God's word, God's people, God's resources. And then down the bottom here, there are five priorities that we have in the church. And we had to set this clear because everything we did, if it didn't link back to this, we shouldn't do it. Real simple. Uh, people got clear about that, and that's why it's great. I walk in here, and I see you guys pamphlet about your vision and what you're going to be doing. I think it's amazing. I think it's great. But that's the pioneer spirit that we need to have. We cannot be settled in a place that's foreign to us for too long. We've got to let God move and say, Lord, I'm not going to flee. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to settle. I'm going to accept what you call me to do, but now I'm going to do it. Here's the hardest part, right? Not the excitement, okay? Because you get it up here, but you've got to get it in your feet when you move. Right? Not the vision up here, the vision down there, where the rubber meets the road. So we, we settled on helping you become. We go to the next slide there. We built towards launch day, 
and we launch and we close this old church down last year, but then we're going to move. You should have heard the gasp. <gasps> what? It's exciting, but what? All right? What's going to happen to our building? What are we going to do? Man, I just, just, just dream with me. Just then everyone's just thinking, oh, you're just a dreamer. All right? But then I'm going to show you along the way. Begin to imagine. So we, we launch the render gathering, helping you become. We go to the next slide. And I'm trying to get to this point, and I'm going to get to it really quick. I've got a few videos to show you. And we launched. We launched with 50 people of our team that we grew it to, and we launched to over 200 people that day. Now, here's what I knew, that day one is awesome. It's the next Sunday that's going to be the, the real milestone moment. But in 18 months, and I'm just going to sort of ram the story forward a little bit. We have now been going as the render gathering for 18 months. I've been in church all my life. We do some things very, very different. We are not just about being exciting, young, and relevant. Being relevant is important, yes, but it's not why we exist. We just wanted to have a church that connected our spirit to our people's spirit. We've got a lot of Pacifica Māori, a very diverse community. So we had to be loud and colorful and vibrant, but life-giving, love-giving, generous. And and we had to build that, and and we we launched. And if you go to the next picture here, you'll see some of the pictures of what our service is like from launch day. Okay? And that's what it's like every Sunday. From that moment, 18 months, nearly two years ago now, we launched, and we've grown this thing. But you might be thinking that, oh, yeah, it's because you're just young and new and excited. No, it's not. What you don't see from the pictures is that we've done more discipleship than we've ever done before. We've taught Jesus more than we ever used to do in other churches. Our, our, our foundation of our growth has been because we got outside of the four walls that confined us. We got into the community. So we kept our property. We used it to leverage us a future. But we got out and we went and found a school. We walked into that place and we said, this theater is going to be the place. And it was scary because there's about four or 500 seats in that auditorium that can film too at the maximum. And we said, we're going to take it. We're going to take this ground for God. We're going to start moving out and imagining in faith. But we have to make sure our feet meets our minds and that our action meets up with the desires of our hearts, not just talk about it. We had to go and do it. And it was this one big question. I want to sort of anchor us here in this moment before I begin to show you a few more videos and then we close. It's this question here. And I want to ask you it this morning. Church, do you actually want to reach people? Now think about that before you answer in your own head this morning. Because if your answer to that question is a no, you will never grow. You will never reach the community for the purpose and the great commission that God intended us to do this thing for is do you want to reach people for Jesus? Do you want to see broken people reconcile? And if yes, and you think, well, I've been doing that, can you do more of that though? Is there a capacity in you to get outside your comfort zone and say, Lord, whatever it looks like, use me. Take me. And that's what I accepted in my journey is that, Lord, in fact, you've got something for me. And I've realized that, Father, you're only going to put up with my whole hardness for so long. My, my, my desire to not want to say yes, because I don't want you to give what was mine to somebody else. I don't, I don't want you to give my inheritance away. So, Lord, you know what? I'll go. I'll leave my job. I'll step out on faith and I'll do this thing. And we'll just see where you take us. I'm not saying we were unwise and we went without strategy and without vision and without all those things. We were. But faith built the render gathering. Faith continues to build it. But you know what happens when you get to launch day and you start doing exciting things and you stabilize it nearly 200 people a week turning up? Is you become what? Complacent. Okay? Settle with what you have. And I'm like, no, this is not enough. No, this is not what God's about. This is not what God has called us to. This is not the cap. We were supposed to come into the school and outgrow it. So we need to keep going. We need more people to find Jesus that don't know him, especially in our community. We would never have done that if we didn't break open the walls and challenge that spirit that we used to have. If you read with me in, in Acts chapter, in that scripture, chapter 7, verse, now verse 30, it says this. So it said before, after 40 years, this is now verse 30, after 40 years, more had passed. So now you're doing the math, no matter how old you are, right? Moses is around about 80 years old here. After another 40 years, then the ministry really begins. Amen. Here we go. An angel appeared to Moses in the flames of the burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. 
So God, well, the, the burning bush is there. The presence of God appears to Moses, but something has to happen. It's not just the wonders and the, the, the amazing things. And this is what I'm talking about that we can look at and say, God, what would you do? And I'm, I'm open to it and I can see your wonderful power. Something happens. It says, as he went closer. See, Moses had to draw closer before what happens? Before God spoke. So I want to challenge your spirit today. Maybe we've been wandering from the sidelines. Maybe we've been saying, you know, God, this is amazing, and I believe in it, and what you're doing, and wow, cool, burning bush. But God ain't going to truly speak to you until you lean in. We talk about inclining your ear, right? We talk about pressing into God. This is what was required in that moment before God spoke to Moses, and he gave him instruction about what should happen. And I love this as it gets down to the bottom here. Lord said to him, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people. Church, have you seen the oppression of your city? Have you seen the oppression of your communities? Have you seen the oppression of your people? God is not calling them. He is calling you. I've seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them what? Oh man, that doesn't sound like freedom. I said, set them what? To set them free. Set them free. Now come. I will send you back to the place you ran from. Slap in the face to me. I'm going to send you home. Because I have not finished with you. And with what God has for you. I want to show you now where we've come to in terms of a a few little... can Can I take a few minutes? I've just got a couple more videos to show you. And where we, we grew it to, the, the, the style of church that we have and the vibrancy that we have, and even what we do about our, our teaching and our, our message series, had to come across in such a way that these guys would get. So we theme up everything every month. Every month we have a theme, and we do this, because people love it, we do this big dress up at the end of every month. Like it's a big thing, most months. And it, we get really taken away with it. But this theme in particular, I just want to show you what we call the bumper video. We do this for every single sermon that comes up. I know. Have a watch. I know why, my soul, you, you're downcast. Why so disturbed within me, kept in the dark? I know you want to move, but you're tired. Tired of being torn apart, of seeking type of people that we have, and they connect to that stuff, and the the whole series was called I Can't Deal, which was about talking about things like depression and hurts and all that sort of stuff, and what we did at the end of the month is real simple, because everyone has been to some sort of school, so we got them all to dress up at the end of the month in the old school uniform, including me, so you had to go out and find your school, and man, it was so cool, we had tribes of people turning up in their school uniforms at the end of the month, but why? Because we understood what our people connect to. We understand. I'm not saying that this is something that you have to do, but I'm saying for you guys, if you find your identity, you understand your people, you understand the community that you're going to reach out to, you're going to try and help. You've got to ask that question. Do you want to reach more people? But man, what are you willing to do to reach them? What is it going to take and cost of you? I say it every day. You know what you guys cost me? I say this in my church. You cost me my dignity. And I'm dressed up here in tight clothes, right? For you. Because I want to see you 
come to Jesus. I want to see you love him and fall in love with him in a greater and more powerful way than ever before. I just want to take you through really quickly. I want to show you a few photos here. This next photo, and then maybe I'll just show you the videos and then we're pretty much done. This photo here is how we do baptism. So what we do is we celebrate everything. But these five people in this baptism photo are really, really important. The woman in the top left, she had come to us broken. Her marriage had broken up. Um, she's dealt with a lot of anger issues. She now serves in our church. She's had restoration in her life. But she would never have come if we didn't get out into the community and did church the way we're doing it now. This guy in the middle, Charlie, he comes from... Now, it's not cliche, but he comes from a gang, but he's only like 24 years old, comes from a gang background, never had known anything good in his life, uh, drugs, alcohol, abuse, and now he's reformed, he's changed, God has moved in him, and he's, he's helping take youth ministry, right, he's helping lead others. That guy up there in the top right corner, his name is Tipane, so entrenched in everything uh, tikanga Māori in the Māori world, and struggled to this, this concept of God and the one true God, and he shifted all of those beliefs aside. Why? Because he wanted to reach his people and he believed that there was a hope. He, he saw the change in his own life. So he got baptized and now he's doing that. This, this guy in the bottom right corner, you can't see him. His name is Dion. He deals with alcohol addiction. His whole life, his whole life he's been an alcohol addict. For the first time in his life, he's found freedom. For the first time in his life, he's found life change. Not because the render gathering was amazing, but because the render gathering did what God called them to do. And if we don't do, if you don't do what God's calling you to do in your spirit to get out into your community, you will not see life change. You don't have to reach all the gang members in the city. That's okay. That's just who we got and some of these people. But you need to understand what it is that you're going after. Let's just power through a couple of these next photos. Here we are. This is our, our, our Superhero Sunday, 80s fun day. So we're, we're dressed up in the 80s. We're, we're superheroes. Why? Because our people love it. They connect to it. It's powerful for us, but it's powerful for them. Let's go to the next set of pictures. Here we had what we call um, Color Sunday, which was a whole month around celebrating the diversity of cultures. So we have all different cultures in our, in our, our church. We have Kiribati, we have the Cook Islands, uh, we have Maori up there, and um, my brother here, Ose, from Ghana. All right? Let's go to the next picture. Life change. I'm just talking about what God has done and saying to you, will you imagine with me? This guy here, Mark, he didn't want to come to church. He was raised in church. Alcoholism, party life. He now serves as a youth mentor. He now runs our operations, set up pack down team. Why? Because God did something in him, but he didn't do it until we were faithful and obedient. Um, we see down here, this is the stuff we do in the community because we got outside the four walls. It allowed us to get out into the community. It allowed us to get into the school. And the school now rely on us to do so many things for them. But we've seen so many kids come. I just got a great call last night saying, hey, pastor, we just got a phone call for our youth night on Friday from these kids from Alfreston College asking if we can pick them up. That's the point. Do we want to reach people for Jesus? My response to you is absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to show you this next video, and then I've got one more. I keep saying that, but I do. This next video, real simple. This was Arcade Sunday. That's me. This is how we start every service.
What's my point? Don't copy us. But my point is this. Would you imagine what God would do for you? If you stop following systems, procedures, and structures and start being obedient to the calling God has on your life, following your leaders and what they have for you. It's really important that you do that and you find that identity and you are that because you've got to get outside these four walls. We've, we've become so accustomed to having church in a certain way that we think and we strategize and we deliver in a certain way. But we knew that for our people, we had to do something a bit different. And that's what it sort of looks like. My last two pictures, and then this video is going to come, the last video, because the last video I'm going to show is what it's really all about. This, is, uh, this, this, guy, this guy's name is Tintin. He used to DJ in clubs, right? Um, and that's him DJing at church. In the middle of our service, we just dropped everything because he's got a gift for it. And he got up on the stage and he pulled out his decks. And boom, the whole place turned into a praise party. But we let him do it. And he found, he's, and he's now leading a team as well. He's found his purpose. But God will change anything if you're obedient and you're willing and you're open, right? If you're willing and you're open. That was Dance Sunday. We go to the next picture. This is my family on Star Wars, the fourth Sunday. And those are my five children. And there is me, Darth Vader. And that, it was funny, that Sunday we saw like 10 people come to know Jesus um, and people preaching in Darth Vader costumes, and right? But why? Now, I'm not trying to impress upon you again that this is what church needs to be, but it's the spirit that sits behind it. The question I ask is, what are you willing to do to reach people? Do you want to reach people? The last video I have for you is what it's all about, and then I'm done. Thank you for your time simple guy called Bon. Watch his story and then I'll just quickly close after it. Hi guys, um, my name is Bon um, Rati and I'm of um, Modi and Pakia descent. Um, at the young age of um, two or three years old, um, my parents separate, separated and my father went into um, jail. Um, a lot of my childhood I spent um, going in and out of jail to visit my father I would go there for family days or just to visit him. My parents have since, since then remarried. Um, and now I'm a brother and sister with my mother and, and my stepfather and a brother and sister with my dad and his wife. Um, in 1999, um, not too long before then, um, my father came out of prison and um, we moved to Manurel where I met the um, whole family. And um, in 2006, um, my dad um, asked me to move over to Australia with him and I, um, I thought it was a um, good idea because there was um, more opportunities for work, more opportunities for better schooling over there. So I, so I moved over there um, and since then I was back and forth between 2006 and 2011 between um, Australia and New Zealand. Um, during that time um, things didn't go to plan. Um, I ended up leaving school. Um, my relationship with my dad um, hit rock bottom and whenever I'd make a mistake my dad would always um, punish me and give me a hiding for any um, little mistake that I made in um, my life. In 2011 and towards the end of 2011 my dad um, kicked me out of my house um, so I had nowhere to go. I felt um, unwary. I didn't felt um, I felt that I was not loved. Um, things were just um, rock bottom for me. I had to find a way for myself to get back to New Zealand in 2011, I um, eventually ended up um, coming home to New Zealand where um, my mum was to, back to live with her again. And um, things were still weren't going well for me. I started hanging around with the wrong people. I, I started drinking alcohol with the people that I would hang around and my friends, my family, and cousins and whatnot. So then, since then, um, we were at a um, Easter camp, um, where our senior pastor, um, Colin, was talking about um, building stronger families um, for God, and that's where I hit home for me, where I had to stop and I had to look on, um, reflect on my life, where, you know, I come from a broken family, I, um, I had no purpose in my life, things weren't going well for me, so I had to make a decision. to make a decision and 
find purpose for my life. So in July that year, I made the decision to follow Christ. Um, since then, um, things started to get better for me. Uh, I found a job. Um, I found a car. There were people out there that cared about me and loved me. Um, things were... Um, Things were looking a, a, a lot better, a lot better for me, um, and I learned that you know, I could for, forgive my father, and I could um, learn to rebuild that relationship with him. Um, and then, not so long after, in 2016, I made a decision where I, I lost my job. Lost um, relationships um, and a lot of friendships. Um, it's all right. Whatever's happened, there's happened. What happens at the end of that story is real simple. Bond goes on to tell you because last year he went through some really hard things. He got convicted of a crime. Um, that was very unfortunate for him, and he had no one to help him. Two years ago, sorry. So when we came back, we walked him through that, and we stood with him to today. Where does Bond stand? Bond, now, everything you see production-wise, all these videos, Bond leads the team that designs and develops production because we decided to stand with him. We decided that God is not finished with him, and God would do something in his life. I want to leave you with one scripture this morning. It comes from John 3.30, and it's one of my favorite scriptures. And it says, he must increase, and I must decrease. Church today, this next season you're going into, what more, in what ways does God need to increase in your spirit, in your capacity, in your resources that you must decrease and allow him to do what it is that he's planned to do with Aspire Church? I'm really excited for that. We pray and we believe with you this morning. Thank you.